Hi, this is the Organisational Success Academy from the Oxford Review, bringing you the very latest research in leadership, management, organisational development, design, transformation and change, human resources and human capital, organisational learning, coaching and work psychology from around the world to make you the most up-to-date and knowledgeable person in the room. Welcome back. Um, today, we welcome Anna Hatchard. Um, Anna's recently published a research paper uh, entitled uh, No Laughing Matter, a qualitative study on the impact of laughter yoga suggests stress inoculation in the European Journal of Applied uh, Positive Psychology. Now, Anna is one of our members and runs a laughter yoga workshops. Um, so welcome, Anna. Um, just before we start, can you just tell us something about yourself, your background, and what kind of led up to this study, which is kind of unique as far as I'm aware? Yeah, well, thank you very much, David. It's it's such a pleasure to be here, and thank you very much for in, the invitation to share my work uh, with you and uh, and your listeners. So um, after 30 years of working in neurological rehabilitation, I undertook a master's in applied positive psychology in 2017 because I was really interested in discovering more about motivation and what make, what it is that makes people feel happy and good about their lives. And having spent a working life with people living with neurological um, difficulties as a result of strokes and head injuries and Parkinson's disease, etc., I had a, a wealth of experience of being with people who didn't have a lot to laugh about. Uh, but laugh we did and uh, using humour was absolutely fundamental to my work. And I felt that if I had a session with somebody and I had we hadn't shared a laugh, then we hadn't created that basic human connection, which comes uh, with laughing together. And when I started my studies, I asked um, one of my physiotherapy colleagues, because we had to identify our, our own uh, signature strengths. And, uh, and so I did a bit of a poll and I asked this particular woman and she said, well, of course, your signature strength is humour, but that's not serious, is it? <laughs> and, and actually, <laughs> it really is serious. Uh, and, and I think... Um, it's interesting how it's suddenly become quite topical and interesting during um, the last year of, of lockdown. But anyway, so one of our lecturers on, on the course had written a book about laughter and she ran a, a, a monthly laughter club. And there was something quite serene about her, which made me want to learn more. So I went to train as a laughter leader with her and I decided then to do this, a study of the experiences and perceptions of the laughter club members for my dissertation as part of my masters. Well, that, yeah, impressive. I just love this idea of a laughter leader, um, kind of as a as a because one of the things we're looking at at the moment within the membership is this, uh, all of the leadership styles, and we're up to about fifty at the moment different ones and I'm, I'm just starting to ponder on whether this is a new style and and actually when you think about it what that would do within organizations uh, yeah I need to think about that <laughs> I like that well interestingly talking about leadership and things there, there's, a, there's a brand new book out this year by Jennifer Aker and uh, Naomi Bagdonas I think I hope I pronounced those correctly but they're um, 
lecturers at Stanford and they actually have a module called humor seriously that they teach at the business school at Stanford and it has the same same amount of credits as management accounting so people are really beginning to understand that humor is serious in business and we need more of it Oh yes, definitely. I, I, I'm I'm fascinated by the book. So afterwards, if you if you let me have the details of the book, and um, in fact we'll probably make it book of yeah. the month club within the uh, within the membership. That's brilliant. Thanks, Anna. I think so. For for most people, if not everyone, laughter's you know clearly an enjoyable activity. Um, um, most people, I suspect, like listening to a good comedy or you know a comic. Um, and, and if you don't mind the pun, it, it's a bit of a funny subject for research. Um, maybe if you could take us on a little trip through what some of the previous research around laughter has found, that would be really useful. Yes, and I think I agree with you, David. It's a bit like my father would say, is, is it funny, ha-ha, or funny, peculiar? And <laughs> certainly uh, laughter as the research topic is rather peculiar. Laughter is not easy to study when uh, the leading laughter researcher Robert Provine uh, tried to study it, it would immediately disappear and he came up with this idea of what he called sidewalk neuroscience. So what that involved is was uh, uh, getting a lot of his students to go out and observe laughter occurring under natural circumstances and what they found was that laughter occurred much more in groups of friends than it did amongst strangers and it was 30 times more likely to occur in groups of people than it is uh, when you're on your own. Oh that's interesting isn't it? So that the, this there's something about the connection being there first I wouldn't think? say that. I think laughter, laughter is a is a um, evolutionary play signal. La laughter evolved, uh, they think, to allow us to um, cooperate in larger groups. So it started with an open, uh, an almost an all clear. I'm open to play signal amongst primates, and in. Uh, in humans, of course, it's a universal human language, and there are many types of laughter. It, it's not always benign, uh, but um, but in in terms of uh, the evolutionary sort of signal, it is it is an openness. It's a, it's a social signal, a, a, a bonding, a social emotion. Laughter, yeah. Yeah, and it's certainly a signal that's very different from a lot of the serious signals you know the kind of fight or flight type signals we're in trouble or we need to do these kinds of things oh. and 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 certainly i've noticed over the years and, and it's it's one of the things that we we talk about when we're, we're teaching the lecturers about kind of just being yourself and relaxing is that your own natural sense of humor comes out when you're more relaxed when you're uptight all of that kind of disappears so do you think it matters how the laughter starts? I mean, there's kind of a difference between laughing at something you find genuinely funny, you know, laughing out of shock, a phenomenon I've seen quite a lot of times, um, particularly when I was a police officer, or laughing just because other people are. Yeah. 
Sure. Well, it doesn't really matter how laughter is produced in, in, in terms of my study, in terms of laughter yoga and the effect that we found. There are all manner of different uh, prompts for laughter. So laughter is a motor behavior. It's an outcome, which is usually the result of humor. But humor involves a complex cognitive appraisal of any situation. It's a, it's a deeply contextual and individual. So it's not so much about the, the cause of laughter that matters, it's the laughter which produces a contagion effect. People just simply don't need to know why somebody's lost in laughter to want to join in. So um, we're neurobiologically hardwired to want to join in. So generating laughter through humor has all sorts of challenges as any uh, stand-up comedian will tell you. So through laughter produced by exercises, we can jumpstart the process and, and have all the physical and psychological benefits of laughter. Yeah, I, it, before COVID, I was in Covent Garden and you know how they've got the, 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 the yeah. people who do their things in Covent Garden, the, sure. you know, juggling or whatever it happens to be. Mm. And one of them, because usually they get the crowd to start cheering before they've actually done anything. And one of them had actually got the crowd to start laughing before he'd done anything. And, and I noticed that had quite an effect actually on what then happened in terms of audience response to what he was doing. Absolutely, I mean, that's the priming effect and that's the classic thing for um, laughter tracks at the back of, uh, of Friends, episodes of Friends. <laughs> Uh, you know, to, it, it tells you when to laugh, but it also primes you to laugh more. Yes, and it, yes, the, the canned laughter thing, then it certainly works. So just before I come to your study, can you explain a little bit about laughter yoga, what it is and, and how it works? Absolutely. So laughter yoga was developed in 1995 by a medical doctor in India. And what they did was they met... Uh, he de he decided that um, laughter was very good for you. It was a good vehicle for for complete health. So, knowing this, he decided to meet in the park uh, in the morning with four friends, and they started to tell jokes. But very quickly, the jokes became unfunny, and in fact, they became rude and even offensive. So he decided that they had to take the humour out. So he devised laughter exercises which produce laughter for no reason at all just for the fun of it and he combined that with deep yogic breathing which activates the parasympathetic nervous system and calms us down because his wife is actually a yoga teacher so it was that combination of laughter mm. exercises and deep yogic breathing and you don't need any equipment you don't need any special clothes you don't need experience all you need is uh, a, a willingness to join in. That sounds <laughs> sounds wonderful, <laughs> brilliant. Yes, I yeah. I've, anyway, loads of stories about laughter. I, I've experienced it certainly, um, you know, in the police and things yeah. as a bonding exercises uh, as bonding exercises when kind of informal bonding exercise where you know either joke telling kind of goes around the yeah. vehicle or whatever it must to be sure. and, and people certainly feel a lot closer as a result okay can we just have a look at your study then can you just give us a little brief overview of what you were looking at the 
because you had a number of themes of the study um uh and kind of what were you what were you up to I yeah okay thank you uh, so for my study i interviewed nine members of the laughter club and they told me of their improved mood their stress release during the sessions and the mindfulness they, they experienced and knowing how keen you are on paradoxes uh david i thought we'd just discuss that uh that uh paradoxical mindfulness in a way because in laughter yoga it's imperative that you join in so you have to suspend judgment and actually actively participate but you also have to accept the situation and be passive to allow the laughter to do what people call do its good it's what it's good work so they appreciated also the social aspects of laughing together but again there was a paradox there because they talked about their laughter friends who weren't who were outside their normal friendship group so my take on that was that they they valued uh, experientially the similar others uh so people who got the experience but they also valued that dissociation from their normal life which was very important to them so um they also said that the laughter primed them to feel more sociable, which I thought was interesting. So uh, they said they didn't feel like socializing before the session, but after the session, when they had their cup of tea, they, it, they really felt um, so uh, that they wanted to join in. So that was interesting. Many people said that their perspectives on life had changed and they no longer took things so seriously and they didn't sweat the small, small stuff and uh, people felt that the laughter yoga was fun and they appreciated its playful aspect and some said that fun was not a feature of their daily lives <laughs> so a cascade a cascade of themes was was identified but what's important is that they all related to well-being and laughter provided a quick and accessible inoculation against the stresses of life i mean they knew that laughter didn't take away the difficulties but it gave them a tool to cope better. And also the physical benefits uh, were uh, reported were improvements in, in breathing and walking, but interestingly also a determination to get fitter, which they attributed to laughter yoga. So psychologically as well, the laughter yoga members, they told me that they got a, a buzz, a massive buzz. Um, and some of them said that it lasted beyond the session and one person even described it as it was rather like a month long long glass of wine but of course we need to drink responsibly but <laughs> but laugh irresponsibly <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> that's that is fascinating i wonder if that, so there, there's a, a in fact is um i'm sending it out a little bit later on today in, in the review that um there's uh, one of the papers we've we've been doing a briefing around is around purpose and most of the papers that i see looking at purpose life purpose you know people's sense of purpose yeah. are they're doing it in the direction of what are the benefits of having a sense of purpose this study turned it around and had a look at what were the predictors of people having a sense of purpose. And what was interesting was all of the things that you were talking about were the kinds of things that predicted whether an individual was likely to have a sense of purpose or not. 
Um, and I just, they didn't mention laughter um, or humour, which is interesting, and it may have been one of the factors that they just didn't look at. And in fact, I, I didn't see it on any of the factorial lists. And I'm just, it, it's kind of making me think about two things, I think, at the same time. The links between, given what you found about people wanting to do more exercise, be more, being more pro-social and, and a whole series of other things, it just, it kind of makes you wonder whether, you know, how that's tied into purpose, but also whether, and, and I can just imagine a lot of people in organisations will be screaming at this idea, but that, that meetings start with laughter yoga. And what, what I'd be interested in is what impact that would have on the meetings, their, their sense of commitment to the organisation and, uh, and a whole series of other factors that we, we look at pretty regularly. I don't know, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I think there has been some work on starting meetings with an appreciation, with gratitude, which is another mm. positive emotion. And yes. laughter is, is, produced, uh, is, a is produced as a result of positive emotions, which are joy and amusement. But I know that, uh, that there's been work done on, on starting uh, meetings with a bit like this, so appreciative inquiry, but what, what's going well, what's good, make, you know, trying to introduce some positive emotions first, but absolutely fascinating um, topic for research and uh, hopefully will be on the list, uh, the long list of future, future research topics. Yes. Yeah, fascinating. I'd, yeah, I'd love to see some of that. And I, you can kind of guess where what might happen. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd love to see an organisation try it. Um, OK, let, let's just explore a little bit more about um, how laughter is important for kind of connectedness and how this relates to kind of laughter, fun, letting go, etc. And just what are the connections between these and, and why are they important for us as humans? Well, I don't think important is the word. I think they're absolutely essential, David. And I think if, if a pandemic has shown us anything, it is the absolute um, inherent value of social connection. Humans are mammals and mammals are social animals and we are neurobiologically hardwired for connectivity. Mm. And shared laughter has been shown not only to build better quality relationships, but also reflect better quality relationships. And in fact, in the dating world, um, there was a study done and it does seem to be that a major factor in finding a mate is, is sharing a laugh. So one study found that the amount of shared laughter on the first date was a good predictor of an ongoing relationship. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I saw there was a study years ago, you've just reminded me of a study years ago about, they had something about a, a laughter to fight quotient in relationships. And that they'd found some kind of, and it's a long time ago since I read this, yeah. that that if, you know, if, if the relationship stood a chance of, of lasting a long time, the laughter ratio had to be, the, I can't remember what the proportions were, significantly higher than the fight ratio. Yeah, I think Gottman did a lot of work in his uh, relationship uh, lab about that. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, it is, yeah, really fascinating. Um, it, it, in the study, you talk about 
kind of three outcomes, uh, three major outcomes, kind of positive emotions from from laughter, growth and advocacy. Can you explain a little bit about what these means and how laughter impacts these? Yeah. So um, positive emotions, well, they've only recently been the subject of of scientific study and only recently has evidence uh, evolved emerged rather linking positive emotions which are reflected in laughter to both physical and mental health and Barbara Fredrickson who's a pioneer in this area developed the theory of broaden and build and she identified that the experience of positive emotions such as joy and amusement not only broadens the outlook of the person experiencing them at that time but also experiencing positive emotions over time builds resources and resilience for the future. And that is exactly what my participants in the study told me. They felt better in the sessions and they built resources that they used in all other areas of their lives. And positive emotions have been linked to improve cardiovascular and immune health, as well as improve mental health. They buffer stress, they bolster our resources for dealing with life, and they build resistance for future health. Yeah. 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 So some of the research that I've done around uncertainty and and how kind of emergency teams deal with um, kind of tough situations and and some of the work that we did after the Southeast Asia tsunami what we found was that some of the teams that did better long term in terms of their mental health um, the people who were less likely to go down with PTSD later on because it was a horrendous situation um, for a lot of the emergency teams the what we call um, positive rumination and negative rumination, there was a, a very strong correlation between the team leaders being positive in those situations and thinking positive thoughts about what they were going to do rather than ruminating on the negative aspects of it. And that this had a, a, a contagion or a knock-on impact into the teams themselves. Sure. I think, I mean, there's a lot of work around that. And for instance, there's been in a slightly different vein, there's been work done on people six to 12 months post bereavement. And when they've lost a partner, what they found is people who use a lot of smiling and and laughing behavior uh, suffer less with depression than those who don't. So, yeah. Oh, that is interesting. Uh, one of the the outcomes you were talking about, the, the last one about advocacy, what do you actually mean by that? Okay, so yeah, a- advocacy, well, we missed out growth. Shall we go back? Oh, yes, let's <laughs> let's go back to growth. <laughs> well, I'm paying attention, you know, David. Yeah, well done. <laughs> so, um, the growth aspect comes from connecting inwards with yourself and also outwards with others. And laughter is unique in that in that sense. And you talked about negative rumination and several people talked to me about it throws out negative thoughts. It's absolutely impossible to be thinking, uh, be stressed or anxious when you're laughing. It breaks the cycle. It's it's an absolutely fantastic circuit breaker of rumination. Um, Anyway, so um, and laughter yoga is I can see you thinking there uh, is a uh. 
is a, is a way of metabolizing fun and joie de vivre. So it op offers you an opportunity to let go of yourself in order to be open to growth. So it's about what George Valen would have described as, as generativity, if you like. So in order to be generative, you have to be open to growth, uh, but you can carry on growing until you die. I mean, there's no limit on growth. It's just, it's a mindset, if you like. It's, a, it's a, a, an open generative mindset that allows the growth. And I certainly found that people reported to me that the, the, the attending laughter yoga just once a month for one hour had changed their whole mindset on life. As I said, it lightened their outlook and brightened their outlook on life, which was extraordinary. So people reported self-confidence, for instance, singing in a choir that they'd never, they joined a choir, but not only did they, have, they join the choir, but they performed on stage with a choir, which was something they'd never thought of, they could have done before they'd taken up laughter yoga. So that was, that was interesting. And, and the advocacy piece is that there was a thread um, throughout my work of, a, of, of all the stories that I listened to told of a journey from skeptic about laughter yoga. Initially, they thought it was strange. And indeed, it is strange to most people. Uh, but so they had to allow themselves to let go. And then they became a convert to laughter yoga. And in fact, they not only became a convert, but they advocated. So, um, for instance, one of my uh, study members started a laughter club of her own. And another one said she would have started one if she had been younger. But people identified they, colleagues, friends and family that they wanted to benefit as they had. And they really wanted other people to feel the benefits that they had. And I think that fits in well with the psychological uh, theory of self-determination in the relatedness piece. And I think it also fits in, um, it's the appreciation really that we're all human and the desire to spend, spread the good, wood, good word uh, and that laughter yoga, uh, you know, it is in itself inherently good. It links back to the original, the founder, Dr. Kataria, who, who wanted, laughter yoga to be a vehicle for physical health, psychological health, but also spiritual health. And so what I found in my research was that the laughter club members were wanting to pay it forward. They were almost wanting to spread the word for the greater good. That's very pro-social. Mm. Oh, that's fascinating. That, 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 it's, there's all sorts of things firing off as a result of all of that. Yeah, I think there's this, there's something that, so um, I've done a lot of work in the kind of emotion regulation space. And, and one of the things that, that, that came out of a lot of that research and a lot of the work is that the switch that people make when they engage in, in these processes is a switch from an internal, a focus on the internal like what I'm feeling, how I'm being affected by the things um, into a, a focus on the external and that people tend to be happier anyway when they're outside of themselves 
on and and it seems that laughter does that because you're focusing on what's going on out here it's, it's like humor and things with other people thinking about jokes and i so that's one kind of aspect and then there's a there's another concept that you you've kind of met touched on here which i think's kind of important to all of this and and what you were saying about kind of the neurology of connectedness i suppose in terms of storytelling and so one of the things that we know from a lot of research is that you know kind of our brains are pre-programmed for stories um it, they go in a lot easier we remember them a lot easier and and in fact you know it's no mistake that the biggest industry on this earth is the storytelling um is, is the storytelling industry and I've, i just wonder what the what the connections are if any between stories and laughter and i don't know what what do you think or you, there may not be anything that comes to mind well i think i think certainly in my study it gave the participants the opportunity to tell their own story and and i identified this what i called the laughter yoga journey and that spoke very strongly to me about a process of change and growth and and broadening and building as we talked about and i think your idea of broadening outlook and 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 having more connections so it's almost about it, it, uh, stories attached very much on the emotional level and i think in in terms of laughter it's about finding an emotional balance but people actually talk for instance about crying sometimes in the session but they found they they felt that that was a good it was a stress release so it was a it was a good sign not a bad sign it was just a sign that they were letting themselves allowing themselves to benefit from if you like the emotional seesaw that that laughter gives you so instead yeah. of just staying in your comfort zone all the time and that's the thing i think about the growth um we we all tend to stay in our comfort zones and and work has become such a serious place and they say and they talk about you know um the people i was talking about earlier on who wrote the book on humor seriously they talk about the humor cliff about people falling off the cliff age 23 you know we we laugh we laugh a lot when we're children in fact the average four-year-old they say laughs about 300 times a day i think it is and mm. But it, but it takes an average 40-year-old something like two and a half months to laugh the, the same amount, <laughs> which is kind of sad, really. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a sort of a frightening statistic and you think, you know, that's just weird. But anyway, um, and so I think the question is, in a way, when laughter is such an important social connector, why is it and I've been thinking in preparation for this interview about masks and smiling and thinking, how do they affect in the pandemic world and post pandemic world yeah. when we have to continue wearing masks for some time? I, I think that's a fascinating study as well. How much do we actually smile behind our masks and, how, and what effect does that have in terms of shared laughter? 
Those, uh, that's fascinating. I, I, the, the reason I find it fascinating is the links here with playfulness and creativity. Mm. So we see almost exactly the same kinds of figures in terms of creativity. So in terms of, so there's a whole series of creativity and innovation scales mm. at a personal level. Mm. And largely most of them equate four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds as creative geniuses. By the time we get to our 20s, almost 23, that, that kind of area, the vast majority of the population are no longer described in those, in fact, less than creative. And, I, I, and, and, and some of the connections that they've placed, particularly in the innovation and creativity worlds, is around this idea of playfulness. Mm. And it, it's sounding like laughter is kind of a key component of that, because I think you need that humour and that lightheartedness to be able to explore things and play with new ideas and and not be frightened that you're making a mistake and i think that yeah, yeah. that's really interesting yeah two things i think there's there's good evidence that uh experiencing positive emotions does broaden our outlook and make us come up with more creative ideas they did work on this they they, they actually mm induced positive emotions and got people to write down how many ideas they had and they showed that if you experience positive emotions you have yes. more ideas and i think mm. the other thing is that uh, dave grohl of the of the foo fighters um said that he doesn't go on to stage until they've had a really good belly laugh backstage he waits for that moment and at that moment, he knows they're ready to go out and perform. Fantastic. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Okay, brilliant. Anyway, back to the back to the study. So, so what were your main findings, Anna? So my, so my main findings were that a small dose of laughter yoga one hour once a month had a powerful effect on my study participants and gave them a valued coping strategy. Uh, it's a no-tech reset button. Uh, and one participant, uh, Louise, told me it throws out the negative, it brings in the positive, and it keeps you mentally balanced. So it was a mood buster, a mood booster, a stress buster, and also a confidence builder, which I've talked about. And they felt it inoculated them against the stresses and strains of life. And they wanted others to benefit as they had. And I think the summary really is that laughter is ordinary magic. It's hiding in plain sight. We all know how to laugh. Yes, yes, it's, it's, it's not a skill you actually have to practice very much, is it? <laughs> Develop you know, or workshops how to laugh, yes. <laughs> so, um, if people were to take away just three things from the studies, what would they be? Uh, it's a horrible question, I know, but <laughs> what would they be? I think, I think it's important that laughter yoga is certainly not a panacea and it will not be for everyone. Um, but it is cross-cultural and it's free, it's accessible, it's fun and it's sustainable. Mm. And I think that in this post-pandemic world, as well as training mental health first aiders in the workplace to spot uh, potential mental, mental ill health, wouldn't it be great to train laughter leaders who can deliver monthly sessions to boost well-being, buffer stress, 
and to build resilience. I wonder if we need kind of a, a serious index of, you know, you've tipped the scales, you're being a bit too serious now, you need to just lighten up a little bit and, and you're not allowed back at work until you lighten up. An alphometer, <laughs> you mean? Yeah, well, yeah, kind of a, yeah, kind of a, a, either a humour or a serious index that that is a warning sign, actually, that somebody's kind of heading down. Well, and yeah, now that is interesting. That is interesting. <laughs> Fascinating. I've I've loved this study. I've got to say. Good. <laughs> <It's brilliant. laughs> um, anyway, I um. Just thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. This has been a hoot. Thank you very much, David. It's absolutely great to have an opportunity to share my work. That's it's been lovely. Thank you. It's it's awesome. Where, where can people find you? And uh, I know you run laughter work, uh, uh, laughter yoga workshops as well. Um, yeah. And we'll add the links to the the post. But it, just in the in the the short term, like. If people want to contact you, what's the best yeah, way of doing I'm, so? I'm on, I'm on uh, laughter-lab.com and I'm also on LinkedIn. But yes, and, but as well as doing laughter yoga workshops, what we, what we do is webinars, presentations, and we want to work with teams bringing, doing exactly what you described, bringing more levity and humour and, and working uh, to, to reconnect virtual teams post-pandemic. Fantastic. We'll put all of the links in the in in the podcast notes uh, notes and the uh, the thing. So thank you very much. Excellent. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Oxford Review podcast. For free research briefings, audio and video research briefings, research infographics, and a whole lot more, visit oxford-review.com. That's oxford-or dash-review.com. And please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It would mean a lot to us to have your feedback so that we can make this podcast even better for you. Mm -hmm.